So, in a moment, I'm going to introduce our guest speaker to you. But first, since we got just a little bit of time, I want to share a story with you. I think I told you once before that I am a staunch conservative. I told you that once before, right? I told you there's no liberal bone in my body, right? I, 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 I appreciate this country. I, I think we assimilate it well. I am Puerto Rican by descent, but I was born and raised in Philadelphia. And I have always, always, always loved this country. And I will always, always, always love this country. I believe in assimilation. I believe in its, in its vision. I believe in this glorious land. I always have. So much so that even though I was in my mess in the 80s, I walked into an army recruiting office once before and I wanted to enlist because I wanted to fight for my country. I wanted to fight for this country. You know what they told me? Boy, you better get yourself out of this office. You better leave here right now. He practically chased me out of there because he felt that I should have stayed in school. He wanted me to stay in school. Imagine, I was done. And he wanted me. I wanted to enlist. I was ready. He said, this particular guy felt, I guess he had an appreciation for education. And he asked me to stay in school. He discouraged me from going to war. I guess he thought I was going to die. I don't know. I don't know. But, but God, had, God had his way because soon thereafter I went to college. You know, I went to college. And, and, I, <laughs> and I, got my, huh? I got my degree, the Pino Institute for Higher Learning. You been to that one? No, not that one. No, don't say yet. You don't want to go there. <laughs> I got my degree. I got a bachelor's, by the way. I was working on my master's. You know, in uh, rehabilitation. And uh, so, but anyway, I, I just, I've always loved this country. Just the other day, on the 16th, we celebrated um, Armed Forces So, and then we have Memorial Day coming up. And then sometime in the new future, we're going to have Veterans Day, right? So, between now and, say, the end of next week, God is going to present each and every one of us with an opportunity to acknowledge a service member. Whether here in this town, Cerritos, Lakewood, Whittier, Downey, doesn't matter. You're going to come in contact with a service member. Or you're going to come in contact with somebody wearing a hat who used to serve. Or you're going to come in contact with somebody who's mourning the loss of someone um, who died battlefield. Take the opportunity by the Spirit of God to extend a heartfelt welcome, a, an encouragement, a, a, a firm handshake, a, a firm hug. Acknowledge somebody in these next two weeks. I'm sure to bring wonderful encouragement to their hearts and to their minds. Would you do that? So without further ado, I want to invite Dr. Mark Penfold to come forward. He is our guest speaker today. Um, he's going to, obviously, he's going to take the time to talk to you about himself. Um, when Roy, Roy, te- he's not going to talk, talk about himself, Roy? You hope not? Let's talk about Jesus. Uh, well, you all are going to talk about Jesus, right? The commander in chief, yeah, the commander in chief, yeah. Okay, he's going to talk about the command. This is because we're, we're too close. Oh. No, no, you can stay down there. Right. Right. I'm trying to get away from you. So. <laughs> I, I can't recruit you anymore, sorry. You can stay right there, you can right. stay right there. So, Dr. Mark Penfield, thank you so much for coming out. Um, and, 
at a recent um, uh, pastor's retreat, and he couldn't stop talking. No, just kidding. We met at a pastor's retreat, and we got to talk to talk to um, together for a while about chaplaincy work. Chaplaincy work has always been my first love. Naturally, <clears throat> I wasn't able to do much in that in that area, but I wanted to, um, and it's still in my heart. I love chaplaincy work. Um, he was you did what thirty years? Thirty years in the army. Yeah. Thirty years in the army as a chaplain. The entire time as a chaplain. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise God. So, uh, again, please put your hands together. Welcome him. Thank you, Pastor Rick. It really is a privilege to be here. And um, again, uh, you don't need to know anything more about me than what's in my bio or what a few people can tell you, like Roy. Um, and don't believe anything or too much that Roy might tell you about me. So uh, let me put this there so I can reach it later. Good. Hey, I got a question for you, Rick. Um, am I too close? Or are you too close with that? No, it's off. Okay. So it's that. So I have to put it up. Okay. It'll silence if you could you use this? I can. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's just going to go on. It's going to distract you like it does me. I love these windows, but sometimes I just want to throw it right through the window. Well, don't go too far. First of all, um, because you were the only pastor in SoCal when I came out for board meetings. Come back up here. Come back up here. You're not quite released yet. Um, we're going to have a push-up competition. No, not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So uh, our Eagle Commission, uh, in the military, there's a tradition of excellence for to receive a coin from a commander, and our Eagle Commission has one. And uh, so because you offered me this opportunity, I don't want to do this at the end of the service because there's more important things at the end of the service. But uh, thank you for... Uh, your support, encouragement, and now um, you need to know that there are traditions around the military. A few veterans here can probably tell you what those might be, but um, you need to always have it with you because if you get, there's a, it's called a challenge coin. And uh, if a, someone challenges you and you don't have it, you have to buy that person's favorite beverage. Oh, we don't, we don't want to do that. Starbucks, Starbucks, okay. Or, but if I challenge you and you have it and bring it out, then I have to buy your favorite beverage, Starbucks, right? No, I don't do it. Oh, okay. Maybe Pepsi? Orange juice. Orange juice. Okay, that works, yeah. Okay. But anyway, that's the thing. So whenever I'm out this way or any of our chaplains or anybody, any members of the Eagle Commission out who do have coins, who've given and received a coin in the past, so you know who some of those folks are. So if they challenge you or you want to find out whether they've got their Eagle Commission coin with them, you're certainly welcome to test it out, okay? So you're giving me yours or this is that? No, that's yours. Okay, because I, I want to challenge you right now. I gave you the only one I have with me right now. <laughs> I, I was a colonel in the army. I get to make the rules, okay? <laughs> so, so um, since it is Armed Forces, uh, we just passed. Within your bulletins, you did have a copy of our Eagle Commission prayer guide. These are the chaplains who have served. I do need to let you know that there are three men in here who've retired since last summer. 
And so they are now veterans. Uh, James Schaefer, who retired in January of this year, and then John Arnoldvik and Rick Hurst, who uh, retired last November. Uh, do it ask you to keep praying for them as they serve our country. But uh, that is our group. We have a couple chaplain candidates who haven't been included in here yet. And uh, so uh, that's kind of what's going on with that. But I would ask you, this is a prayer guide. And um, so in the back, intentionally are places. And um, you have our website in here. If you'd like to receive monthly updates about the Eagle Commission to know what our chaplains are doing, I encourage you to go to the EagleCommission.org website and pop. It'll be a pop-up or find the place on it where you can sign up. It doesn't cost you anything. Unlike if you enlist in the military, there's kind of a cost. There is no cost to getting the monthly updates. We're glad. In fact, if you've been in the military, you know that we always talk about the tip of the spear. If you're in the Air Force, that's usually a flight crew or a pilot or someone like that. If you're in the Army, it's special forces, infantry, tanks. Those are out front. But no army or navy goes to war without a logistics and support tail. It just does not happen. And for too long, our fellowship has been unaware that we need to develop a strong logistics tail for our chaplains. And that's what the Eagle Commission is. The Eagle Commission really isn't the chaplain, so that's kind of what, they're, what they do. The Eagle Commission are men and women across our fellowship and our churches who want to be a part of the prayer teams and support teams so that we can make sure things happen for our chaplains. So the Eagle Commission is you. And it is our chaplains, but it's praying for them and also giving to the Eagle Commission so that I can go visit them, encourage them. We can bring them to conference. We can get them to focus retreats. There was a long time in our fellowship. In fact, Southern Cal is to be commended. Our first Grace Brethren Karis chaplains were from Southern California in World War II. Both men received the Silver Star for providing pastoral care under enemy fire in World War II. The Silver Star is the third highest decoration for valor. One of them, under our German artillery fire, crawled under German artillery fire to provide pastoral care to men in his unit who were, who were wounded because of the German artillery. That's the tradition. But for too long and for many decades, we didn't have a support team for praying for our chaplains. And that's what the Eagle Commission is. It's the men and women across our fellowship that pray for our chaplains so that they have freedom and power to minister in Jesus' name to those who are wearing the uniform. 2.1 million Americans wear uniforms these day, this day, and, uh, and 200,000 will enlist in the military. Most of them come from homes where Jesus is not known. And our chaplains are those who connect with them. So I need to ask a quick question because I've been a chaplain and I've done services uh, uh, with a squad of soldiers in the middle of the night or almost in the middle of the night. And that's like a five to eight minute service. And I've been in gospel congregations, and yet have you ever been to a black church? But that's a service that goes on for a while. So is this a squad in the middle of the night, or is this a gospel service? Well, I mean, how much? Somewhere in between? Okay, all right. We'll, we'll work with those parameters. So next slide, please. So these are a couple pictures of our current teams of chaplains, and this is uh, where they're currently stationed across our country, or where our reserve chaplains are, as well as our, we have VA chaplains of the Eagle Commission. These are the men that we ask you to pray for to be part of their prayer teams. In fact, if you have a favorite branch of the service, hope it's Army, should be Army, but if it's not, 
Um, but you want to connect and be connected with one of these chaplains in particular, you can email us or contact us and we'll make sure that you get their name and we'll try to make sure that they stay in touch with you because you have a passion for praying for an Army, a Navy, a Navy covers Marines or Air Force chaplain or someone in the reserves. We want to make that available to you as well. And uh, so that's or if you want to pray for our VA chaplains, that's as well. Next slide. Um, we had a chaplain just came back from the Middle East about uh, three weeks ago, and we've got an Army Reserve chaplain. His unit's going to be going here shortly for a nine-month deployment. Ask you to pray for Jeremy. I think uh, you guys know him. Yeah, he's just uh, got promoted uh, to captain and is going to be going a supervisory job, but he'll be deploying for nine months to the Middle East, so ask you to be praying for him. And uh, his families are going to experience that time of separation. Last slide, I think. So this is how, since last summer, we've been asking our fellowship to pray. Pray for one man who meets the qualification, applies, and accession to chaplain. That prayer hasn't been answered yet. Don't have anybody who's been fully accessioned as a chaplain. Praying for two men who will apply to become chaplain candidates. I got one late last fall. I got one in the pipeline, really, really close. Hey, I'm for God going above and beyond. And so I'd ask you to pray that God would bring us another chaplain candidate before we get to Access 2019 in Auburn in about two months. One thing that we've had the Eagle Commissions existed for 30 years in our fellowship. And if you didn't know about it, that's our fault. But uh, we are praying that God will bring 25 churches between now and the middle of summer at Access who will be prayer, commit to be prayer partners and in some way or another being financial partners so that we can make sure that our chaplains know that they're connected and loved by our fellowship and that God's empowering them. And then ask you to pray for our chaplains and their families. So one of the things that we received about a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago, was a gift from a person who had been saved in the Johnstown Grace Brethren Church in Pennsylvania as a young man, probably late 40s, got a, was drafted in the Army and served in Korea. And the years later, he uh, left a, an estate gift for the Eagle Commission. And what we were able to do uh, start is putting together some videos across our fellowship. First one we wanted to do was to tie in with Memorial Day. And uh, so I'm, as pr- I'm you are the uh, Hollywood premiere, if we can say that. But uh, it's a relatively short video, but it talks about the ministry of chaplains who those as they minister for those when they're killed in action. And uh, so without any further ado, if we want to bring that up. Uh, pray that you'll be blessed by it and understand a little bit of the challenges of ministry for those who serve our military. country is a time to remember those who were killed in action. And for every military member who was killed in action, there was a chaplain who provided grief counseling to those who were around them, but also performed a field service, a memorial ceremony, or a military burial for that person. The Eagle Commission exists to keep our chaplains and their families connected with our fellowship. Chaplains serve in often remote locations, nowhere near Grace Brethren or Karis churches. And so the Eagle Commission is a bridge to help our chaplains and our churches stay connected. One of the greatest things about the American Army is how much we do to honor our own when they fall. We live in a country that we, I think, all realize 
that uh, freedom isn't free. That someone sacrificed, and in the case of Memorial Day, sacrificed their life so that we could enjoy our freedoms as Americans. And what I think is the most important, which we often forget, is freedom of religion. Emotionally and spiritually, as the chaplain, it's difficult to um, deal with the grief of someone and, and a collective grief of a group of people who just lost their closest friend. Someone who uh, was their battle buddy, who slept next to them in the bunk next to them, who was on the vehicle with them. At this point, I've been on active duty a total of 30 days. Start off my day like normal, uh, visiting the soldiers where they work, just chatting them up, see what's going on in their world, kind of helping them uh, just get through a, another deployment in Iraq where it's hot and it's miserable. Then one of our convoys came in, and I already heard over the radio that they had lost one of their own. Go back to that fateful day, which would be 15 May, 2003. Sergeant Nuts convoy was out on the road. They were transporting uh, supplies up from Kuwait to bring them to our our base in northern Iraq. It was very common on the roads in Iraq to have very small cars jam-packed full of big families. And just so happens there was one of those small cars jam-packed full of a family with lots of kids that cut into the convoy in front of Sergeant Nutt's truck. He was given a split-second decision. The big truck that he was driving would no doubt have completely destroyed that vehicle and very likely would have killed everyone in it. But in that split second, David Nutt chose to not do that. Instead, he veered his truck uh, hard to the left and he hit the medium and flipped. When he did so, he uh, came out of the vehicle and the vehicle crushed him. David was a follower of Christ. He had an incredible testimony in his unit. All the soldiers, after he was lost, Everyone to a T, to a person, uh, was talking about his faith, about how quiet he was. He was a very quiet man, but he was very strong in his faith. So without a doubt, Sergeant David Nutt, he lived it out that no greater love than this, that uh, he gave up his life for the sake of someone he, he didn't know. And the chaplain is the one who comes alongside all of that, puts his arms around them, prays for them, walks them through. And as opportunities come open to talk about how there is life beyond, that's what we're called to do under some of the most difficult circumstances. So this Memorial Day, I'd ask you to remember to pray for your chaplains. Thank God for those who gave their lives for our country. But also pray for chaplains as they minister to families who've lost loved ones, spouses, children, military members, moms and dads. 
That's the world in which they ministered uh, this Memorial Day. Thank you. We're hoping that uh, the video will be used in a lot of our fellowships churches this coming Sunday or next Sunday and that uh, people be aware of one of the areas of ministry that uh, is always one of the most difficult. The first time I did this uh, uh, Memorial Day service after I retired, it started and it was like, okay, let me just step away and had to apologize, kind of lost it because I thought of all the people that I've ministered to who I, friends I lost in combat. And uh, so tough situation, but uh, God places us there in those situations to provide the hope that comes because of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we are looking, we are actively recruiting men and women to be part of our Eagle Commission team. And so we'd invite you, again, go to our website and uh, sign up to receive our newsletter. Be praying for our chaplains. And as Jeremy will be going deploying, keep him in mind to pray that he won't have to experience that, his unit but that also that God will use him in that situation to touch the lives of uh, those who uh, need to know Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them. We're going to be looking at a few passages and we're going to do it a little bit different. I'll give you a passage and ask somebody to please read it. Uh, kind of like a Sunday school thing, but uh, you won't have to expound the passage at all. But what I'd like to talk to you about uh, is things that, It took me 30 years as a soldier to learn about walking by faith. Things that God used the army that I didn't learn as a civilian or as a pastor before I started serving as a chaplain in the military. You know, there's an old saying that I heard in the army. It's called, if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. You may have heard it outside of the military, but I'd never heard it except in the military. And what it means in the army is that if you're going to be a leader of the soldiers, then you've got to be able to do everything they can do. Read a map, navigate in the dark, shoot a weapon, uh, use your compass, you name it. You, if you expect your soldiers to do it, to live the army life, then you better be able to do it as well. And in the Army, unlike some other branches, I think the Arab Marines do the same thing. You're a leader. You're expected to eat last. You're supposed to take care of all your folks, make sure that there's food for them and that all of those basic needs are taken care of. And you eat last. I can tell you that it was fun being a lieutenant and a captain because I wasn't at the end of the line. When I made lieutenant colonel and colonel, sometimes you go to the end of the line and it's like, hmm, you're much left here. There were some hungry soldiers in front of me. Hey, that's life, you know, but you make sure that your folks, because if you have to, if you're going to talk the talk of being a leader, you got to walk the walk. And I didn't learn some things about that until I'd actually been in the army a little bit longer. Certain passages came to life for me a little bit more because of being in a military context. Sorry, these are my first, my last pair of army glasses, you know. Uh, they have acronyms and other kinds of things. We won't go into that today. <laughs> Thank you, Roy. <laughs> but um, I became a believer when I was in the fourth grade, which was a long time ago. We'll just leave it at that. And um, I was raised in a, in a Lutheran church. And, you know, Martin Luther was pretty significant in church history. He was the first one that discovered or at least rediscovered that phrase in Romans, the just will live by faith. 
So for him, it transformed his life. But at the point where I was as a kid, it wasn't transforming my life yet. I was learning the Bible. I was going to church every Sunday. My parents were Sunday school teachers. But it wasn't until a friend of, me, friend of mine invited me to an Awana club at his church where I learned that I needed to accept Jesus Christ in my own, in my own heart. Since I was in fourth grade, I'd been a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ. After high school, my wife and I both went to a Bible institute in France. We did church planting and missions work there. I went to Grace College and seminary, been in church ministry. A um, number of things. I actually worked at Grace Center before I went on active duty. And yet it was going in the Army that I learned a lot of spiritual things. We want to just talk about three this morning, about uh, things that we have that uh, God placed upon my heart that being in the military changed how I understood Scripture and for my own sake. So if someone would be willing to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. Someone who's got a good loud voice. Okay. Loud voice. 4, 20 through 24. Yes, amen. The Bible reads, But that it is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Thanks, Pastor Rick. I want to talk just a few minutes about putting on the old man and putting on a new man, or putting off the old self and putting on a new self. I mean, when you get saved when you're 10 years old in fourth grade, this is a kind of one of those passages like, ah, you know, I don't know what's going on here. And maybe for someone who's experienced a, really the, a tough life and they've watched their life get totally transformed, that kind of makes more sense. But for many of us, putting off old and putting on new, somewhat hard to conceptualize. How many veterans do I have in the congregation this morning, served in the military? You all are going to really understand this really well. You know, when you, whether you were drafted or you volunteer, you show up at your basic training post. And you've got a little bag and you're wearing your civilian clothes. And depending on when you went in the military, you may have had long hair or something like that. Well, they have a well. They've got these people that are trained in hospitality. <laughs> They're called drill sergeants and drill instructors. And when you arrive at the basic training post, they welcome you off of their bus. And it's not before long that they have you standing a certain way. And it's not too long, usually within about the first 12 hours, at most, and, each is, and you usually get there kind of you're somewhat sleep deprived, and it's actually intentionally done. But you get there in oh dark, you know, ten o'clock between ten p.m. and two a.m. most of the time, and they're starting to give you kind of commands, suggestions. No, they're commands, and you have to do what they tell you to do. But usually within about twelve to twenty-four hours, if you're a guy, you've got your head shaved, and all of those civilian clothes that you may have brought. Hopefully, you didn't take too many. They're all taken away from you, and you put on a uniform. And you've taken off the old man, and you start to put on a new man. 
Now, my last duty station was Fort Jackson, South Carolina, where uh, half of every recruit in the Army goes for basic training and almost one-fourth of anybody who enlists in the U.S. military. And occasionally, I would go over to the reception battalion at night, about eight or nine, and watch new young Americans get off the bus. And I'd watch the drill sergeants handle them and how to teach them, you know. And then you'd go a few days, and they were usually there three or four days before they get sit down to their units. And they've got a whole couple duffel bags and wearing their uniforms. And it's so much fun after you've been in the Army 25 to 30 years to watch these brand new recruits. They have no idea. what, they, But they're wearing uniforms because they now have a title. They're soldiers, or technically soldiers in training. And then they're there for 10 weeks. And you watch an incredible transformation. And if you go to their graduation, you hear their parents talk about them. It's like, you mean they made their bed every morning? (laughs) They ate their vegetables? You've lost so much weight. You look so good. You know, they learned to put off the old man and they accepted a whole new set of disciplines. Or they're starting to. They have to talk a certain way to the drill sergeant or the drill instructor. They have to stand a certain way. There's an officer. They have to greet the officer a certain way. They have to wake up at a certain time and do certain things first thing in the morning. It is an incredible transformation that takes place among 200,000 young Americans every year. But I want to suggest to you that what Jesus does, what takes place in some ways for them is many ways external. Well, I can tell you that after I got towards the end... Uh, when I retired, uh, I actually took off my uniform for the last time. And as a retiree, you're not allowed to wear a duty uniform anymore. I can't tell you how much I've missed my duty uniform. I took it off, folded it, took my combat boots, put them in a footlocker, and put a lock on it. Then I went into a dark room and cried. <laughs> I realized that an aspect of my life was over. An aspect that I loved Loved the men and women of the military, their families, and presenting and being a chaplain to those folks. The reason that God had different places for me to serve at that time. But their lives have changed. They had to take off the old man and put on the new man. Paul goes on in Ephesians and other passages about what it's like to be a believer when we take off the old man and put on the new man. What our speech is supposed to be different. How we talk to people. What we do. Wherever we go. Can pe- you can tell somebody who's been in the military, even if they're a veteran most of the time. I mean, I get still asked, like, you were in the military, weren't you? How can you tell? Well, you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I'll look at your haircut. It's like, yeah, you know. Can't, haven't gotten rid of it yet. And, uh, but you can usually tell someone the way they walk, the way they talk, if they've been in the military. And if they're still serving, you can usually pick someone out. I was uh, offended one day. We were spending in a little timeshare place. And, it was, and she said, you're in the Air Force, aren't you? I said, no. <laughs> I had had my hair cut for two weeks, so it looked a little bit long. It looked just right for Air Force. It looked really long for Army. I said, no, that's my son who's in the Air Force. I tried to raise him up in the way he should go, but uh, he went the wrong way. He's actually a doctor in the Air Force. But, uh, but 
Don't want to get off that rabbit trip. But as believers, Christ calls us to live a different way. The fact that you are here this morning worshiping Jesus. Think about the small percentage of Americans who are in a Bible-believing church, who on a Sunday morning could be on a golf course, a bike ride, or anywhere else, but they find themselves here because they love someone who loved them to go to the cross. And their lives are being transformed. Your presence here is a testimony to your neighbors and to family and friends. And don't ever be ashamed of going to church. Don't ever be ashamed of being with the body of Christ. But when you go to a restaurant, when you go to Walmart and the greeter, you should be happier and a better person than the greeter, you know. Because you've got Jesus in your life. The old man should be gone. And the new man should be there. Just like some young Americans We'll be arriving at Fort Jackson or Lackland Air Force Base or Great Lakes or Paris Island or San Diego. And their lives are going to start to be transformed tonight, I guarantee you, as they get welcomed by the hospitality committee. We as believers, wherever we are, there should be something about us. Paul talks about the aroma of Christ. And we need to be that in our communities. And it's great to see what you all have going with prayer walks and other things and outreach this summer. And I pray that God will help you to be successful and men and women will come to know Jesus. The second thing is about encouragement. If someone has their scriptures, I can either have, if you've been a, drill, a sergeant, you can use your command voice. If you haven't, we can bring the microphone to you. But uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Who's got that? Come on, Arco. You, got a loud, you have a lot, really loud voice? Yeah, Y'all hear him? Or do we need to tell him to sound off a little more? All right. We're recording. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. Let us not consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet one another as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I learned more about encouragement by being in the army than I unfortunately did. Uh, and I went in the Army as a chaplain when I was 40 years old, active duty. I'd been in the reserves uh, about seven or eight years earlier. But I really learned about encouragement by being in the Army. And um, this passage, Paul reminds us, as, or the writer of Hebrews, some people think it's Paul. I'm going to use Paul because that's usually the first word that falls out of your mouth when you think about it. But the writer of Hebrews says, believers, as you go through the trials and challenges of life, and that group of believers was Jewish believers who were kind of thinking about abandoning their faith. They need to be encouraged to stay faithful to Jesus. I learned about encouragement from Sergeant Robinson. Now, in the Army, they have this thing called air assault. Where you, it's a 10-day course, and you learn to uh, set up landing zones and pick up zones for helicopters. You learn to do sling load, which means to carry things under helicopters. And then you have to learn to repel out of helicopters. And the last test, so there's tests for all of those things. And the last test is a 12-mile road march with a, car, with a combat load in three hours or less. Not three hours and one second, three hours or less. Uh, up 
this is 18 months after I've been on active duty in the Army, and I've been with an infantry unit for all that time, and I've been doing road marches and 12-mile road marches. Didn't enjoy them, but hey, you got to do them when you're out there doing things. I'm not worried about it. So we got up early on Friday morning, did all of our rappelling tests, passed it, and then we were supposed to do our road march on Saturday. And the instructor's like, hey, you all want to do your road march this afternoon? Be done with this class? Like, yeah, we want Saturday morning to sleep in. So like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. He says, okay, you've got three hours. Go get yourselves ready for the road march. We'll inspect your packs. And at 12 o'clock, you'll step off. So I have to run home and get a few things done, get some moleskin, get up my feet just ready so that I don't have blisters everywhere again. And uh, so we get back. And I'm going on my 12-mile road march, you know, with 50 pounds. And then Carol says, you know, it's no big deal. All of a sudden, I'm finding myself. I'm starting to lag. I'm getting behind. And there's Sergeant Aerosol who's got a stopwatch, and he's the, always the last person. He knows to march, to walk the 12 miles in three hours exact. And if he crosses the finish line before you, you are a no-go at that station, and you failed the course. And my body is starting to wear down after getting up from about 4.30 that morning for doing all the other stuff. And I'm starting to watch. I'm walking with Sergeant Aerosol. And then Sergeant Aerosalt is ahead of me, and I'm going, oh, no, this is not a good thing. I'm a chaplain, and my commander sent me here on his dime to get this course. And if I fail, this is not going to be a good day for me. Just so happened that within our course was Sergeant Robinson. Sergeant Robinson was a legal NCO within our, our battalion. And I would pick him up because he didn't have a car to go to the course every day and then take him home. And he was the first one, and he was done in like two hours and I think 14 minutes. I mean, he basically ran the thing. And I'm coming in, and I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, crud. About a half a mile, maybe three-quarters of a mile before the uh, course ends, I'm thinking, oh, man. If you've ever been a sports person and you think you've been bonking because you didn't have enough food in your system, I bonked at this point. And I'm getting discouraged. And Sergeant Robinson is looking for me, and he's wondering, hey, I haven't seen my chaplain come in yet. Sergeant Robinson leaves the past the finish line, comes out and finds me at about three-quarters of a mile before the end. He goes, hey, sir, if you don't run, you're not going to finish. And I go, Sergeant R., I, said, I ain't got anything left in the tank. He says, sir, you've got to run. Follow me. And he starts making me run after 11 and a half miles with this ruck on my back. I don't want to. Guess who we catch? Right before the finish line. Two hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds. Sergeant Aerosol, Chatton Pimple, steps across the line. Here we go. Time! Oh, good. Thank you, Lord. Sergeant Robinson, in the time of my need, knew to come out and find me. Not only did he say words of encouragement, he paced me and ran with me in. There are times in Christian lives when we just don't feel like taking another step. Let's admit it. There are days when life is tough. We go through challenges, attacks of the enemy, and all sorts of other things, whether it's health, financial, discouragement, whatever it might be. And God reminds us and says, as believers, we should go encourage someone. Not just in words, but if necessary, in deeds. It took me being in the army to be around Sergeant Robinson to learn how powerful encouragement can really be. I encourage you or ask you, who in the congregation needs encouragement today?
You know, the other thing that's often hard is receiving encouragement. Especially if you're an encourager. I can't let anybody know I need encouragement. I'm down. My guess is Pastor Rick. It's hard to believe because I, every time I've seen him, he's always up here. But there may be days he's looking at ministry or thinking, and saying, hey, I need encouragement. And it's sometimes hard as a leader to accept that. I encourage you. That's overused the word. But to be an encouraging and to be willing to receive encouragement as a believer. We need one another. That's called the body of Christ. Everyone is important. And we can't afford the arm we talk about leaving no one behind. Let's make sure we don't. If we see someone who's struggling in their Christian faith, let's make sure that we don't let them get left behind. And sometimes it's not even someone who's a brand new believer. Sometimes it happens to people who've professed to know Jesus for many years, but something takes place and they just, they stop, they start bonking. And they need brothers and sisters to come find them wherever they are on the road to encourage them, to pace them, to walk with them, to be with them. Sometimes if necessary, and even to grab that ruck, you can't do an aerosol test course, but someone to grab that ruck and carry it for a little while to make sure that we don't lose them. And that's what this text is about. It's one of the things I learned. So I learned about the importance of what it is to put off the old man and put on the new man. I learned how important encouragement can be in the army. And if someone has uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, Luke uh, 14, 26 and 27, I'm just going to step over here because I see he's got an iPad and he'll find it quickly. And I'll pass you the mic if you'd read it. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. If anyone come to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and child and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, this is a powerful passage. And I want to make sure that I state this right up front. Uh, Jesus is not asking any of his followers to hate their spouse or children or parents or siblings. He's not asking that. He's not advocating that we hate those we love. I think what Jesus is asking is that our love for him makes that love for others pale in comparison. Because to take up the cross and to follow Jesus can be costly. Can be costly. You know, those who serve in our military, um, when I was commissioned, I was commissioned in 1986. And one of the things that caused me or led me to to be commissioned as a chaplain candidate was uh, there was this thing called the Cold War. Now, if you were born after 1990, you probably have no idea what that is, right? But if you were born or living at some point before 1990, you realized that there was this entity known as the Soviet Union. Nowadays, it's Russian collusion, you know. But uh, back those days, it was called the Soviet. And it was this huge power struggle and, uh, between the United States and Russia. And it was a war that just wasn't really, most of the time, was not a shooting war direct between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. And due to a number of things politically and militarily that took place and to the problems within the own ideology of communism, the Soviet Union fell apart in around 1990. And the U.S. won the Cold War. Or so they say. 
Um, that's what the war army that I came into. But it wasn't in about another few years after that that something took place on September 11th, 2001. And we're still at war in many ways. Unfortunately, we don't have the tens and the hundreds of thousands of military members deployed. But we probably have somewhere between 20 to 25,000 military deployed in that part of the world today. They're not making the news. It's not like when Iraq was really big or Afghanistan. And yet we have 25, maybe more military personnel deployed, serving in that part of the world every day. Occasionally even catch a news story if they remember that uh, military, remember the military was killed in action. Those men and women, in a secular sense, live this passage. They didn't join the military and they didn't deploy because they hated their families or the people around them. But they loved something else and were willing to give up their lives. And in one sense, they loved us so that we would have the freedom to sit here in peace to be able to worship Jesus. Because that's kind of what all this thing of being an American is really all about. Freedom of exercise, free exercise of religion and pursuing God. Sometimes it's bad the way people pursue God. But when the, tr when the gospel is preached, it's the right way. But they've given their lives and they're serving today because they took up their cross in a secular sense to serve us. Jesus reminds us that we need to love him at such a level that we're willing to leave our families and our kids. I only deployed a couple times. I went once to Kosovo in the late 90s, which was a peace enforcement mission, what they called. And then I was in Iraq and left my family. And besides all the training stuff that goes on, I loved my family. I wanted to get home to them as soon as I could. But I knew I had a mission, one from God, and one that the government expected me to do was to be a chaplain to those who were deploying or training or serving. God calls us to use that model to love Jesus at any cost. Because there is a spiritual battle going on around you in our country. And men and women need to know Jesus. It's the only thing that transforms. Now, the military, and with this I'll start to close, kind of plays off of the fact of this search in the lives of so many young people today that they're trying to find meaning in life. In the, the draft year, that wasn't the case. It just took you and you went. But so many young men and women today are looking to find meaning and purpose. You know, the Army used to talk about be all you can be. Now it's be Army strong. The Air Force is aim high. All of those kinds of things. Because they know that there's a generation of young people that are looking. There's an emptiness in their hearts. And they go in and for a certain time they kind of buy into it and they start to find it. But it's like a broken cistern or a bottle with a, a bottle of water that has a hole in it. And they drink from it a little bit, but it doesn't satisfy long term because that's not what God created them for. God created them to be in relationship with him. Just like the men and women around. And so these young people who are enlisted in the military... That's why we need prayer partners for the Eagle Commission, that our chaplains and those who know Jesus will be bold, and that those who are discipling will be bold and stand for Jesus who are in the military, whether they're on a ship or whether they're on a remote base, wherever they might be. And that's why we're looking for men and women who want to be part of our team. 
But uh, the men and women are in our neighborhood, your neighbors, the people that you meet when you go to the store or when you're at work. They've imbibed something, and, or maybe they've just gotten so tired of being not filling the void that's in their lives that they've given up. They need God's men and women to put away our fear, put away our hesitancy to talk about Jesus. You just need us to love on them and to let them know who Jesus is and what he's done for them. So it means to take up in one sense our crosses even here in this community, no matter what you own. So I hope that in some way you have uh, learned to put off the old man and put on the new man. It may not look so physical, but it certainly is internal. Hope that you learn and are part of being an encourager and looking around and saying, who's starting to lag back? Who can I go encourage? And I hope that as a follower of Jesus, that you're willing to take up your cross and deny yourself. And you love him so much that you're willing to put yourself out at risk, at danger. Because if you're out witnessing and living for Jesus, there's your own fears there is someone else who's trying to trip you up and to keep you from doing that. It's called Satan. He doesn't want you to live for Jesus either. And if, you, if he can scare you in your mind or any other way to keep you from being bold in your witness and in your love for other people, he's done what he needs to do. And we as the church of Jesus Christ, those who've had lives transformed, we need to be what Jesus calls us to be. Now, this is a hard message because we're talking about putting something off that it's uh, difficult. It's about denying yourself. And maybe you don't know Jesus here this morning. And if that's the case, we invite you, Pastor Rick, or someone in this church would love to open the scriptures with you and show you how Jesus walked the walk. He loved us so much that he left everything in heaven, took the form of a servant and went to the cross. And he's not asking us to take up a cross that he... And we're, not, and we're not saving other people. Jesus did it for us. So he's, at, he's already walked... He talked the talk and he walks the walks and he changed his lives. All he asks us to do is be his followers. That's all he asks us to do. Just follow me. I've already, I'm there with you. In fact, the, one of my most favorite passages. Chaplains are missionaries, just so you know. They're missionaries to the military. But my favorite phrase that I learned over my years as a chaplain was at the end of Jesus, Matthew 28, 19, go and preach the gospel, baptize, teach him everything. And the last words of Matthew was, Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. I've been to the ends of the earth. I've been to the ends of the earth. And you know what? Jesus was with me. Jesus has promised to be with us. There's no place that you can't go if you know Jesus that he will not be with you. You may wonder whether other believers around. He'll bring some to you. But one thing I promise you, Jesus will be with you to the end of the year. If you don't know him, we'd love to introduce you to him. And then, and, uh, So please make sure you seek out Pastor Rick or someone today. And if you need to make a recommitment in your lives to Jesus because of what he's asking us to do as his followers... You know, in the military, they call this thing re-enlisting. I think we call it in church recommitment, rededication, reconciliation. Whatever it is that God places on your heart. If today's the day or maybe it's the middle of the week, if it's 2 a.m. in the morning, 
call Pastor Rick. He'll take that phone call. Hi, sir. <laughs> that, that's what time? Uh, in the East Coast, that's 5 a.m. <laughs> he, he's saying that, but if God burdens your heart so deep, you need to talk to him at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know that this is a man who loves you and loves Jesus. And if that's what it takes at 2 a.m., because God won't let you rest in your bed, then you give him a call. Because he, he'll, he'll walk the walk with you because he loves Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these men and women here. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to be part of a witness in this world by just coming together. Because our habits are different. Because our songs are different. Because you changed our lives. So, Father, help us to uh, live as newness of life because of Christ. Whether we're a believer that's known you for years and years. Whether we're someone who's just come to Jesus. Work in our lives. Help us to make a difference around all those around us. God, use us as your hands and feet to bring people to know the one that we love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for coming. Um, we do have to go. I do want to create some time for those of you who may want to uh, just simply exchange some words with him. Um, as soon as we're done, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. Thank you so much for coming. What an encouraging word, right? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Um, I want to ask for the, I think, I think we would be remiss if we didn't do this. I want to ask for the elders to please come at this time. Uh, we're going to close in prayer. What we're going to do is we're going to ask you to come back up, um, Dr. Mark. And we are going to pray for you. And you are going to stand in proxy for the many, many chaplains that exist out there. Amen. Can I ask you, church, to please stand as well and just sort of extend your hands out this way. And, 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 and let's just accept the challenge that he's given us to pray for the chaplains. Pray with us. Father in heaven, we just come before you thanking you for forgiving us of our sins, Father. Your word teaches that more than that, you even knew our names before the creation of the world. And you've called us to be holy and blameless in your sight. We thank you for that. Forgive us, Father. Um, Renew us every day. For the colonel here, I just pray thank you for his life. His dedicated... His dedic- he's dedicated his life to you, Father. Anoint him as he uses the wisdom that, and the experiences that you have given him to go and touch other lives, Father. So we just pray that you will bless him financially, physically, and spiritually, Father. Anoint him. He's one of your two warriors. Like David had his mighty men. This is one right here. And we just thank you for that. So we just... Pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you so much for this service. We thank you for this time in your presence here today. Thank you so much for ministering your word to us here today. Thank you so much for the strength and the encouragement that we have received here today. We bless you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. God's people say. God bless you. Love you guys.